Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher. I'm the senior pastor here at Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. I am so glad that you're tuning in today to listen to our brief broadcast on the session of Christ. I pray that this week has been a blessing and an encouragement to you, and I look forward to getting into the Word of God. But I have some exciting news that Hey, at 10.30 this morning, you can come and join us in person as our sanctuary is open. We have everything prepared for the, the social distancing stuff, and we would love to see you here. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. We hope and pray that you'll come. We'd love to shake your hand or at least wave to keep the social distancing going, but we would love to meet you. But with that said, I want to take us into some prayer, because prayer is vital in the life of every believer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you in the name above all names, that of Jesus the Christ. Father, it is in his name, with his righteousness, that we come to you. And we are so blessed that we have the opportunity to be called the sons of God. We ask you, Lord, to please hear our prayer. We ask, knowing that Jesus intercedes for us, we ask for your blessing upon this nation. We ask that you will heal our land, that you will once again draw us back to a place where we can say that we are one nation under God. We ask that you would forgive us our trespasses and forgive the sins in, of our land, Lord. Help us to tear down the idols of our hearts and the idols that are in our land that we would give you the total glory and honor in which you are due. Father, we know that we are not worthy of your grace, nor are we worthy of your mercy. But you said you would meet us at your mercy seat. And Lord, we're coming before it right now asking that you would be in this election, asking that you would turn the hearts of our leaders back to you, that you would turn our churches back to you, that you would turn our schools, Lord, into places of learning and not indoctrination. Father, we pray, we pray that you will once again be glorified. Move in our lives and our hearts, O God, as we serve you, our sovereign King our ruling and reigning king. We recognize your scepter of righteousness. And we pray, Father, we ask you humbly, asking, beseeching, pleading at the throne of grace for your mercy. Heal us, Lord. Protect us and guide us. Cause our faith to be strong. Cause our knees not to be weak in the sight of men. But may we stand on the solid rock of Jesus the Christ, our Lord. May we hold his banner high in all things. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, my friends, we are still in our lengthy series on the session of Christ. And I'm hoping and praying that you're not getting bored with this because we are getting into some good stuff. We are now discussing the purposes of him being seated at the hand of God the Father. Now, one of the things that is unique in Christianity is that the view of Christianity is that our God is 
intimately knowledgeable and personal of who we are. He is close. He's not some distant deity as we find in, uh, in, in Hinduism. We find that in Buddhism and Taoism. We even find that in Islam. We find that in just about every major religion. But in Christianity, God is accessible. He is knowable. We're not able to know all that he is or all the knowledge that God would have, but he is knowable and he cares. Now, why is that important? We see that one of the unique things in Christianity, unlike many other religions, in Christianity, it is taught that there's not one good thing in man unless God gives it. That we must be saved through, by grace and faith. We must be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ so we can enter into the kingdom. In other major religions in the world, man is seen as a good thing. And it is evil that tries to corrupt it. But in Christianity, we see the righteous, just, holy, and perfect nature of God, and that we are held to His standard. Why would that be important? It's because we cannot define God in our own terms, to say the least. Now, I want to take you to a subject that I think will be intriguing for you. We often petition God for our wants. We often petition God for our needs. But for many people, even many Christians today, it's as if they think their prayer just goes up somewhere into the stratosphere. And they don't really know where it goes. They don't know what the prayer is. They just know they have to say it or they feel compelled to offer prayer. But the Bible tells us that the one who died for us, Jesus the Christ, intercedes, that he lives to intercede. In the book of Hebrews, we know full well that Jesus sits on the throne, on a king's throne, and is not... We're not quite content with that image. It's certainly a throne, a, a, a king's throne. But the writer of Hebrews knows something that I want to convey to you today. And that is, Jesus sits as a high priest of his people. Now let me say that again. He's not just a king. Yes, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he also sits as the high priest of his people. Well, who are his people? Those that are called according to his name and his purposes. But now listen, if you will, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, 
And I'm going to start at verse 1, and I'm going to read to you the chapter. There are 16 verses, so it should not take too awful long. And I want you to listen to how this opens. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, that's speaking of a spiritual rest, my dear friends. That's the intro to this chapter. But now pay close attention to the following verses. These should give you hope in times of despair. If your heart is made low, if your soul is heavy, if you feel as if there is no hope, I want you to hear these words. Jesus lives, and he lives to intercede on your behalf. Think about this. The very God who spoke creation into existence lives to intercede for you. Listen to verse 4 and following. We're talking here, and it says, For he spake in a certain place, of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Pay close attention to that last phrase because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear my voice, harden not your hearts. Okay, pay close attention to that. Notice how it says, has unbelief? Harden not your hearts. The hard heart, my friends, is that sign of unbelief. It's that sign of the resisting truth of the gospel. Now, listen closely to what comes here. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying to David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if ye will hear my voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, they would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entereth into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Now, that in and of itself, that precursor of a point is important for us to grasp. Did you catch that it said, cease from his own works? 
Did you catch that? Did you hear that? Did that part sink in? Did it strike you? When you belong to Jesus Christ, it is no longer your works. Those works belong to Him. Listen, when you belong to Jesus, when you are bought by the blood of the Lamb, those very works are the works from God. Now, why would I harp on this? Why would I bring this point home? Because, my friends, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. When you are born again, you do not get to go and do your thing. You do not get to go and say, well, you know, I know that I can go and ask for forgiveness after this is done. That's cheapening grace. You know, I can go out and I can have parties. I can go and do whatever it is I want. I can live like all these other people. I can go and do all these works of the flesh. I can fulfill my own lusts. And I know that God will forgive me. That's producing your own works. And notice where it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. When we stop striving in the flesh, when we stop seeking to glorify the lusts and the works of the flesh, there's a peace. There's a rest. There's a hope. There's an assurance. And that is the rest in God. Now you're saying, well, how does all this go to interceding? Listen to what follows. Listen to what comes. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from him. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, disobedience. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, this is the crux, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 14, verse 14 is a crux. Verse 16 is the reason. Verse 16 is the reason for the entire explanation of the preceding verses. Jesus being the high priest, let's understand that the high priest is the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies once a year in Judaism. He is the only one that could go and make the atonement. He is the only one that was qualified. <clears throat> now, my friends, him being the high priest gave him the rule and reign of a nation. 
of the religious aspect of the nation. Now remember, it says here that we go to him, and so the intercession comes in this. When we pray to him, our petition is made known. He intercedes with the Father. Why? Because we are seen through the blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I'm not really sure I understand. Well, let's, let me take you into Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3 is so unique because it, it paints such a clear picture of so many things. Uh, I, I've come to really love this chapter in this book. <coughs> and in the next few minutes, I'm going to briefly touch on it here. Zechariah chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Now, the, understand, Satan was there to accuse, to oppress. All right? And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away. So who spoke? Who spoke? The Lord. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head, and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Now this is a charge. That protest isn't like you think of in the streets today, where you go and you speak against. This word protest, my friends, is very simply a charge given to Joshua. It's a commission, if you will. It's a direction. It's orders. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts, and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. And I'm going to stop right there on that. Notice <coughs> in that charge, the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, after Jesus spoke, gave the charge to Joshua. My friends, that's simply a sign or a demonstration to you, if you will, of the intercession of the intercession of Christ. Why? Because very clearly, he gave the commands of what to do. Notice the robe, the removing of the filthy garments, the placing of the fine vesture, and the mitre upon his head. And then, and then the Lord of hosts said, and gave this charge. Why is this important? This shows, my dear friends, 
This shows the harmony of the Godhead. This shows the harmony of the Trinity. This shows the unity therein and the intercession of Christ. The value that he places upon, upon those whom he has called. Now, in, in further explanation, let me try and explain some of this. <coughs> we need to understand that with Jesus as the high priest, the throne differs from a king's throne. Now, why am I telling you this after I've read you the scriptures? Because I'm trying to give you two different viewpoints so you can see an entire picture a priest's throne differs from a king's throne. The work of the priest, my friends, is simple. It's to make intercession for the people. He is a pontifex. He's a bridge between God and humanity. He is to plead for God's people before God. He is to pray for us. And if the question were asked today, what is Jesus doing right now? One answer that could very easily be given from the New Testament that is very clear is that he lives to intercede for us. My friends, he rules and he reigns as king of kings. He's seated at the right hand. But the Bible also makes very clear to us that he is the high priest. And his job in that role is to make the intercession for the people of God, for the nation, for the world, that they would still have the mercy and the grace. And yet, he still is to convey the righteous words, the righteous will, the holy proclamations from the Father. Can you begin to see why it is so important that Jesus gave all of this instruction, all of the education, the marching orders, every aspect that he taught to his disciples, so they would be equipped for the working of the kingdom of God. Yes, he is seated in power and might and majesty, but we should draw great comfort that the King of Kings intercedes for the people, that he is the one who has the ear of the Father, that through his sacrifice, when we call upon his name, we shall be saved. And when we pray and ask for things according to the Father's will, it will be done. My friends, the question I have for you today is this. Do you spend the time in prayer going to the one who intercedes for you? Do you spend the time in prayer getting to know the intercessor? Do you spend the time in prayer getting to know the king of kings, getting to know his will, getting to know him personally. Because remember back in Hebrews chapter 10 that we're not to have the hard heart. 
often <coughs> people have a tendency when they pray to ask for just their wants. And when they receive word from God, they harden their heart because it's not exactly what they wanted. Ah, oh, but my friends, if we would just soften our hearts, bow our heads and bow our knees to the throne of Christ. Remember, we've been given access and we are told in Hebrews chapter 10 to go boldly, to go boldly into the throne of grace. Now, let me take you back here because I want to show you the purpose as to why. I want to show you the purpose as to why we are to go there. Remember I told you that verse 16 was the reason? Listen to verse 16 in our closing. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's speaking of the divine supply given by God. That's speaking of us seeing the needs of the people, seeing the needs of the kingdom, and seeking to meet those needs. Remember the Great Commission? Remember in Matthew, the Great Commission? Remember the works, the separating of the goats from the sheep? Remember, recall to your mind that we would be able to see the need, display the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim His righteousness. Because remember, the scepter of the kingdom is the righteousness of God. Now, my friends, I want to once again invite you to come down and see us at Christ Covenant Church. We're located at 1320 West Nolana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. Our website is ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at Christ Covenant McAllen. You can see our sermons there. You can donate. You can find out about us. You can come visit us. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. We would love to lock arms and walk, work shoulder to shoulder with you for the kingdom of God. Won't you join us this morning at 10.30? And you can hear a much more in-depth message on the introduction to the intercession of Christ as part of our series on the session. I hope that you're blessed and you're encouraged by this. I hope that you are intrigued. And know that we're praying for you, praying for the world. Come join us, won't you? Thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast. Once again, I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and we would love to have the opportunity to get to know you. May God bless you, may he keep you, and may he enrich you in all in which you do for his kingdom.